Dear wonderful people of the internet, welcome back to another episode of The Future Of here at Nordic Fintech Magazine. My name is Chris and today we're going to bust the latest buzzword in our long list of annoying financial services jargon, DAPS. Now, unless you're heavily into tech stuff, you probably haven't heard a lot about dApps. At least, not yet. But in the next few months, dApps will become as essential, if not more, as Angry Birds, Tinder, Twitter, Instagram, and all the other questionably useful apps on your phone. Most importantly, it will totally transform the way you earn, save, and spend money. But before we talk about what they are and how they will impact you, I must give you a quick history breakdown of the internet, and more specifically, of the web. Uh, don't worry, I promise it will be relevant. Since the emergence of the internet for consumer use, and this is going all the way back to the 90s, what we have come to know as the web has gone through a series of evolutionary iterations. We first had what we can now call Web 1.0, which many of you may remember as a very static presentation web that allowed you to read content mainly from pioneers in this space like AOL, Yahoo, CompuServe, and Disney. See, back then, the web was just a small number of websites that looked a little bit like this. And that only served the function of allowing you to read content, watch some pictures, maybe press a few links, and if you were lucky, even hear rudimentary bits of audio in MIDI format that sounded like this. Revolutionary stuff back then. The next iteration of the web, or Web 2.0, came in the form of the blogosphere. Cybernauts, as they were called at the time, became not only able to read content but also to create their own. At the time, companies and individuals alike found that for the first time they could have a public voice without necessarily having an audience. Anyone with an opinion could head over to the web and have their views made known either on a blog, a discussion forum or on a message board. Shortly after, all this activity began to be monetized by the emergence of big platforms like MySpace, Facebook, Google, and Twitter, who provided people with increasingly more sophisticated channels to make their voice publicly heard. First in text, then in images, voice, and video. During this developmental stage of the web, we also saw the emergence of web and mobile apps, and as we know today, this was absolutely revolutionary. Today, there is not a single need that is not catered for with an app. While the internet has always been a public resource, it's fair to say that only a handful of companies have managed to own most of the interactions that take place through it. Today, we're seeing the next evolutionary step of the web in what many are calling Web3. And this is a significant departure from what we have come to know before. Why, you may ask? Well, according to an article published in Wired magazine, Web3 may be the only way for humanity to preserve liberal democracy. So you see, Web3 is using decentralized technology that is technology that allows the functioning of networks to be spread across its users, giving them ownership and sovereignty over that network. Now, if you want to know more about this, check out our video on smart contracts and the future of trust. But put it simply, today if you want to use Facebook services, you must use either an app or a web address that connects you onto the Facebook network where you get content and functionality through Facebook servers. In Web3, your terminal, be it your computer or your phone or whatever it is that you use to connect to the web, can become a network node. 
as a provider of infrastructure for that network, you are rewarded with crypto tokens. So, for example, the estimate 10 million people who use Ethereum are also the people that part own and control the Ethereum network. The Ether cryptocurrency is the reward that users of the Ethereum network receive for keeping the network operational. In other words, holding Ethers in your digital wallets represent an ownership stake on that Ethereum network in a similar and hypothetical way in which owning a Tesla would be equivalent to owning Tesla shares in your investment portfolio. Still with me? Okay, so while in Web 2.0 everyone could be a content creator, in Web 3 everyone can be an investor. The time and energy that individuals like you and me spend on a network are investments that have not always been monetized. Think about how much time you have spent building your Instagram account, curating the content and making sure that those selfies are just right. Instagram is formed by millions of people who like you and me have put time, energy and effort to make their profiles worth watching. And yet the main beneficiary has been Meta previously known as Facebook, who owns Instagram. But in Web3, if you help develop a network, you deserve a claim to its success, given to you as a token of the platform that you have helped build. You can also think of it as a form of compensation for believing in a project early on. As Coinbase puts it, in a fully tokenized future, everyone is a venture capitalist. Now, all the content that you put on social networks has value. At the end of the day, that's the reason you and everyone else uses those platforms. Through tokenizing the value, the Web3 will ensure that any value circles back to its creators. Now, of course, there are several applications you can build on top of the network, so developers make judgments on which networks are likely to win and will invest in tokens for that very network, in a similar way that people invested in Google or Yahoo expecting these companies would scale. It really is an old concept wrapped on a lot of technobabble, but it is rather simple. We have seen this in the way in which the stock market works and could be very easily explained with a real-world analogy. Let's say that you want to help a friend in the launch of their new brand of toothpaste. Then you can help her along with a little bit of capital and also by buying as much toothpaste as you can store when she first launches. Applications built on Web3 infrastructure, which is basically enabled by blockchain, are called decentralized applications or dApps, in reference to the distributed nature of the underlying network. Now, dApps will play a role in Web3 similar to the one that the Google Store or the Apple App Store played in making smartphones essential everyday tools. Dapps, however, are different to centralized apps like Twitter, Facebook, in several ways. As we already discussed, dApps reward its users who help build and maintain the network. Dapps come in many shapes. There are now thousands of dApps for things like games, decentralized finance services, digital wallets, social media, and the list goes on and on. An example of currently existing dApps comes in the, sh in the shape of play-to-earn games. Play-to-earn games are a type of dApp that rewards players for playing the game. Examples of these are Upland, Roblox, The Sandbox, and Polka City all blockchain-based applications that are creating entire virtual economies where players can earn, save, and spend their rewards. The rewards usually come in the shape of a crypto token or an NFT, which is another one of those horrible acronyms that requires a lot more explanation. But for now, just know that the main appeal is that these tokens not only have value within the dApp, but it can, they can also be converted into fiat money like dollars, euros, and krona. 
Another remarkable difference of dApps in Web3 is that through a simple yet sophisticated process, network participants can vote on the features that get implemented across the network. In a sense, what happens on the decentralized network is decided by the investors or the people that own part of that network. Think for example about the really annoying YouTube ads. There was a time where YouTube content was free of ads. At some point, after an initial consultation with its users, YouTube chose to ignore the overwhelming majority of user feedback and decided to include ads before, during and after its video content. Users say counted for basically nothing really. In a Web3 app, a decision like that would have to be submitted for approval and every single node in the, in the blockchain network would have to decide whether or not to implement the feature effectively voting on it. If a feature does not receive sufficient votes, it simply does not get copied on the next block and is relegated to oblivion. As we have also discussed in previous episodes, many of the attributes that are true for distributed cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are also true for dApps, since they are built on the same type of blockchain infrastructure. Now, these reflect many liberal values such as freedom of speech and expression, since no central institution or, or organization can control the data that is generated or transferred through the dApp. Privacy as well, since dApps infrastructure provide anonymity as they do not demand the real identity of users. And finally, the removal of the need for trust, since smart contracts can self-verified and self-execute rules for agreements made on dApps. Part of the huge appeal of Web3 infrastructure is their wide accessibility. Basically, anyone with an internet connection can become part owner of blockchains like Bitcoin or Ethereum, giving them access to financial services like decentralized finance. Gaining access to a bank account is significantly more difficult and much more restricted. Web3 is a real game changer for finance and the monetary system as we have come to know it. What is so revolutionary about it is that it is creating financial ecosystems that empower users over bank CEOs and other powerful central decision makers. Now, it would be biased and tendentious of us not to speak about the many concerns that critics have in relation to Web3, many of which have to do with the potential uh, that these new uh, use cases for the internet could have in destabilizing existing systems both political and monetary. The main arguments that are echoed across debate groups include that anonymity, privacy and decentralization could lead to hate speech, money laundering and criminal activity. Once again, we are seeing that the discussion is leaving the technology realm and instead is becoming a discussion of ideological nature. One side arguing in favor of less intervention from central institutions like governments and central banks, more sovereignty and communal self-regulation, and another side arguing in favor of bigger and stronger central powers to rule over the activities of platform users. Unsurprisingly, many governments are calling for new regulation to limit the activities that can take place on distributed networks. But that is really no surprise to anyone given that, as we know, to a person with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. One of the main dissenting voices of Web3 has come directly from Jack Dorsey. The recently ousted and controversial full-bearded ex-CEO at Twitter basically hates Web3, and he has not been shy to make his feelings known. Much of his arguments seem to be emotional expressions against the venture capitalists who are funding the development of potential Twitter-killing apps. So it's not hard to see why someone who has built his entire legacy on Web2.0 principles is against anything that could disrupt it. 
At the end of the day, we have seen it all before. The initial response from those striving on the status quo is always going to be an attempt to silence, ban, or slander those who pose a threat to their legacy. Web3 will give its users power that have previously only been reserved for a few influential people in tech companies. This idea of democratizing the web or giving decision-making powers to a wider group of its users means essentially that anything that has value to at least a group of people will be tokenized. And this can be anything from cryptocurrencies to memes, tweets, art, or any bit of content that has ever and will ever traverse the web. The potential for this is enormous, and we believe that tokenization of digital assets is only the beginning, as in fact there are companies that are already looking at ways of tokenizing real-world artifacts and resources like forests, rivers, and animal species such as the African forest elephants. And for this we need to talk about the next cringe-worthy buzzword non-fungible tokens or NFTs. But that is of course a topic for another video which you will be able to find next week on nordicfintechmagazine.com. And if you are worried that you may miss it, then all you need to do is subscribe to the channel and click on the small bell icon to be notified as soon as the video is out. Thank you for joining us and see you soon in another episode of The Future Of here at Nordic Fintech Magazine.